This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 128. Submission 169. Nice. Saturday Supercade. Saturday Supercade aired on CBS Saturday mornings from September 17, 1983 to December 1, 1984 for 26 episodes over two seasons. Well, Saturday Supercade, gather up, we'll get your video friends together. Yes, yeah, Saturday Supercade is time for fun and no one else can do it better. All right, picture it, guys. The year is 1982. Yeah. America, Ronald Reagan's Reaganomics has not yet taken hold. Mm -hmm. What a shock. America is in the grips of Pac-Man fever. Darn right it was. It was driving me crazy. (laughs) All right. Hey, Buckner, Garcia... Let me continue. The games takes the arcade by storms and is taking everything else with it. Breakfast cereals, toys, watches, little of those uh, Game & Watch thingies. Oh yeah, Game & Watch by Nintendo. The tabletop dealies. From Coleco. Yes, I, oh, I had, gosh. I had, yes. The miss, I had the Miss Pac-Man Coleco. And ultimately, it took Saturday morning, where the pixelated power pellet powerhouse became Hanna-Barbera's star player for ABC's 1982 Saturday morning lineup, where it teamed up with two unlikely cohorts, Richie Rich and the Little Rascals. I don't know what became of those two shows, but I do know that Pac-Man stood out from the crowd and did so well that it was given its own half hour the next year. The success in the overall golden age of video games did not go unnoticed by other networks and other entities. And CBS was no exception. And so, that following year, almost to the day, CBS has commissioned with Joe Ruby and Ken Spears, who by now have almost divorced themselves from Hanna-Barbera, because you know they invented Scooby-Doo, right? Yeah, they create Scooby-Doo. So right now, Ruby and Spears are a few years into their own, doing their own thing. And CBS calls on them to develop an anthology series, not unlike this one, based upon rival games from the arcade's Halcyon Aaron. And thus, in September of 1983, we get Saturday Supercade. And it sort of fit with the whole uh, imagery of CBS Saturday Morning at the time. If you remember the bumpers that came before and after, the eye catches before and after the commercial. Oh yeah, the ones they did for this show were incredible. And the ones they do all through uh, Saturday morning. Some of the earliest computer animation on television. And they used it for eye catches. So, what was Saturday Supercade? Well, Supercade was an hour-long anthology series of five different cartoons. Each one bringing a classic video game and its characters 
to life in a whole new way. Read Taking Creative Licenses. Yeah, because there's not much you can do based on the game. Yeah, remember, this was 1983. Video games didn't have a plot. You just play them until you run out of quarters. Yeah. And then you go bug your parents for more quarters. Yeah, the only game I think at this time that had basically a story was sort of Miss Pac-Man. Yeah. Yeah, kind of, sort of. Yeah. And, and the story was, hey, it's Pac-Man with a bow. And she's being Pac-Man. That's the best part when they meet. You have the do 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 and then they have the little heart above them. It's like, oh, that's so. Oh, when they first meet, and then the second interlude, they have the baby. They have the baby Pac-Man. Yes. But the baby when the baby. Oh, they did have the baby. There was a, they there had was the all, baby. Oh, they had the oh, baby. Yeah. They had the and they had the big and they had Junior Pac Man. They had Junior Pac Man, but you know what that means, guys? What's that? That means that Pac Man and Miss Pac Man got their freak on. Jeez, <laughs> I was trying to avoid that. How is that even? No, Greg, do not explain it to me. So, again, creative licenses from video games with zero plot. So there was pretty much an open book. I mean, there's really nothing that the writers couldn't do. So what do they do? Well, I'll tell you what they do. We have different series. I'm going to go over all of them right here. And I'll tell you right now, each series had its own dedicated theme song and opening sequence, which we're going to go over as we go along, all right? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, we're going to start with the five cartoons that aired during season one all right and the first one is frogger when you gotta have a story oh you're gonna lose your job when there's no escape from danger and you're working for a frog so you get a little shell shock and a fanny helping too then you gotta be my frogger Well, hold on, Chico. Frogger. Frogger. Frogger doesn't have much of a have much of a plot. It's just a frog trying to get past, trying to avoid cars on the street and trying to get on the tadpole. And the logs. Are we are we forgetting the logs? Oh yeah, the logs. Yeah. Well. We all know George Costanza. He really loved Frogger. He really, he really did. He re- you know what? That's a future entry. I know oh. we weren't supposed to touch Seinfeld, but yeah, if we if we have to touch a Seinfeld episode, that's the one we got to do. The Seinfeld episode with the Frogger game. Yeah, there you go. So you know the video game Frogger. You cross the street. You hop on a turtle. You hop on a log, you hop on another log, hop on another log, hop on another turtle, and then you go home. Okay, so here's what they did with Frogger. Frogger is an ace reporter of the Swamp Gazette. He and his friends Shellshock Shelly Turtle and Fanny Frog go out in search of crazy stories, sometimes about human behavior, to publish in the newspaper. Meanwhile, Frogger also has to deal with his gruff boss and editor-in-chief, Tex Toadwalker. And as in the game, often he has an encounter with an alligator or is flattened to a pancake by a passing car, counting on somebody with an air pump to snap him out of it. Also, that's how he stays alive in the game. Boy, that's a lot of artistic license there. That is a lot of artistic license. But check this out. Did you notice who was who plays who in the in the cast? Uh, first of all, Frogger is played by Bob Sarlat. And we mentioned his name, I believe, during the David Letterman show episode, because he was a semi-frequent guest on Letterman back in his late night days. And I think he even appeared uh, on the daytime show uh, back in 1980. But he definitely was a friend of the show, if you will, in its NBC days. 
And, oh, not yeah. so much as CBS days. Yes. And, uh, and fun fact, according to Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, he was also the on-field stadium announcer for 30 years for the San Francisco 49ers. Nice. And also, he plays a waiter in Star Trek IV The Voyage Home. That's pro- I believe that must be the dinner scene between Kirk and Dr. Julian Taylor. Yeah, the one, the one where he says... I'm from, I'm from Iowa. Iowa. I only work in outer I space. I only work in outer space. <laughs> Stardate, 1986. Anyway. Okay, and meanwhile, Shelly Turtle is voiced by Marvin Kaplan, who is... Oh, God, what hasn't he done? He, played... he was choo-choo on Top Cat! I'm sorry, that's my favorite. Oh, go ahead. You know what, Mike? Let it all out. Yeah, Top Cat is Mike's cartoon equivalent of Wings. What are we like categorizing all uh, like every genre? There's my equivalent to Wings. Match Game Hollywood Squares is my game show Wings. Top Cat is apparently my cartoon Wings. I, I can't wait to hear Night the Court is your entry. sitcom Wings. I'm sorry? Night Court is your sitcom Wings. Uh, or Married with Children. Well, Both are well, applicable. Well, you all know I only have one wings. It's Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. You know, Twin Peaks made Kyle McLaughlin's career. Anyway. No, Dune made Kyle McLaughlin's <laughs> career. What are you talking about? Okay. So, Marvin Kaplan, aside from being Choo Choo from Top Cat, he's also Henry Beesmeyer from Alice. Oh. And. Also, Ensign Kwesnack on McHale's Navy, and Stanley in Petticoat Junction episode, The Other Woman. Wow. But everybody remembers him as Choo Choo, and now he's playing Frogger's boss. I thought only I remembered him as Choo Choo. Eh. Okay, among us three, I'm the only one who remembers him as Choo Choo. There you go. (laughs) There you go. And Fanny Frog is played by just a legendary voice actress, B.J. Ward. If we were to talk about everything that B.J. Ward has done, we'd be here forever. I'm, I'm talking the Fantastics, G.I. Joe, Voltron, Tom and Jerry the movie. Not the new movie that's coming out, the old movie that nobody talks about. The one with Dana Hill. The one with Dana Hill and Richard Kind, yeah. Uh, the Real Adventures of Johnny Quest, Samurai Jack, Regular Show, Captain Planet. Yeah, I mean, BJ Ward is just legendary. And playing the editor-in-chief is Ted Field, who is... Wow. He, he founded Interscope Communications to produce films. His first hit was... Revenge of the Nerds. Ooh, yeah, because this would have come out around this time the show was on. Yep. And again, uh, some of these stories are just crazy. The, the, oh, that's the thing about people who write for either Hannah Barbera or Ruby Spears in the 80s. They were very penny with their episode titles. This is the listing for Frogger. The Ms. Fortune story, Spaced Out Frogs, the Who Took Toadwalker story, Hydrofoil and Seek, The Great Scuba Scoop, The Headline Hunters, The Legs Croaker story, The Blackboard Bungle, Goodnight Frogger, spelled K-N-I-G-H-T, Fake Me Out to the Ball Game, I Remember Mummy, Here Today, Pond Tomorrow, and Hop Along Frogger. Yeah, yeah, that's peak 80s right there. Peak 80s uh, Ruby Spears cartoons. Mm-hmm. And then there's Donkey Kong. Donkey
So we all know how to play Donkey Kong. If you don't know how to play Donkey Kong, what am I gonna what what am I gonna have to do? Draw you a diagram? You Get jump an over emulator for heaven's yeah, sake. Yeah, climb ladders, jump over an elevator, and rescue the girl. Yeah, get an emulator. Yep, that's how Billy Mitchell did it. And, and if you're lucky, you'll get the version that has the Pie Factory uh, stage on it. Yep. Not that lame uh, NES version. By the way, guys, did you did you get my diss on Billy Mitchell? Get an emulator. That's how Billy Mitchell did it. Because that's how he cheated to get the Donkey Kong world record. Oh, yeah. Oh, see, boy. Now, see, now that you mention it so in the world of supercade donkey kong is the star of the donkey kong circus he has his own circus he has his own circus but the thing of it is he keeps getting he keeps escaping he thinks he's human like all other crazy animated gorillas okay so if donkey kong's in the circus what reason is there for Mario to be there? Because he's he's a plumber. Well, I don't know what the reason is because he's he, I guess he's Donkey Kong's caretaker, I guess. Because yeah. if you remember, Mario captures Donkey Kong in the end. He does. Yes, yeah, so I I guess he becomes his pet or something or other. So, now, now wait, hold, wait, 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 hait on a second. At this point in '83, was he even called a plumber? I, I know no, Mario Brothers was. Oh wait, well, yeah, yeah he was a Mario Brothers. He was a Mario yeah, was yeah, a carpenter. Yeah, Mario back in '83 and Mario Brothers, they didn't label him, him as a plumber in any way. Um, and I know that's sort of deviating from the whole Donkey Kong thing, but yeah, he he wasn't formally. Named a plumber until uh, until Super Mario Brothers came along. I believe. actually no, until Mario Brothers Atari commercial came out, and we'll play that commercial here. Something's coming up the plumbing for Luigi's in a bind. Giant turtles out to get him. Creepy crabs are right behind. Spiderflies, cheaper shines. They're all coming out the pipes. Mario, where are you? It's Atari Mario Brothers with Mario from Donkey Kong, his brother Luigi, and lots of crazy creatures. And it's twice the fun when two play at once, because you need all the help you can get. Mario, where are you? Mario Brothers, new from Atari. I found it very interesting that they sort of used the theme to Car 54, Where Are You? Yeah. So yeah, he, he is a plumber. There you go. He's a plumber. Mario Brothers Atari made it canon that he was a plumber. There you go. He's a plumber. Now, okay, so 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 he he is a, he, he's a newly instituted plumber then because yes, he's that, a newly that would have been eighty three. Yeah, he's a newly instituted plumber and he's put in charge of a gorilla. Process that. Wait, wait, makes sense. What did you say he's he's in charge of? A gorilla. A gorilla. He's oh, in no. charge of a gorilla. He's in charge of a gorilla. Hey, See, Mario. Why did you fall in his trap? Hey, Mario. Because I'm dumb. Hey, Mario, I need you to take care of this gorilla, okay? He's he's a uh, he's in the. Cir- I know. Uh, I know it's weird that you've been having this uh, gorilla you captured in the game as a pet, but uh, 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 hopefully we won't be chasing after Pauline. Funny you mentioned that. Donkey Kong escapes the circus and takes Pauline with her. By and and in the world of Supercade. Pauline is not Mario's girlfriend. Pauline is Mario's niece. So, Donkey Kong escapes the circus. Mario gives chase. He rescues Pauline. And then he escapes again. So Mario and Pauline are pretty much crisscrossing across the country with the Donkey Kong circus, trying to catch Donkey Kong. They almost catch him, but at the end of every episode... Oh, we're back on the road again. Now, this is from Truth by Consensus Wikipedia. Plots typically centered on them encountering crime with the villains of the week, conning the slow-witted Donkey Kong into doing their work, and Mario and Pauline exposing the truth. After Mario and Pauline reveal the truth to Donkey Kong, the three of them team up to stop the antagonist's plans, followed by Donkey Kong evading Mario and Pauline again. 
So basically, this becomes bigger Jaws. This becomes bigger Jaws. <laughs> now, th- there are only three names you need to know from this series. Oh, from yeah. From Donkey Kong. First is Mario, played by the one and only Peter Cullen. Optimus Prime? Optimus Prime. My name is Optimus Prime. Again, Peter Cullen, legendary. Legendary status. His CV of voiceovers is undefeated. And then you have Pauline, who is played by Judy Strangis. And, and again, if you don't know who Judy Strangis is, I, just, I could just say two things. Room 222, Electro Woman and Dyna Girl. Oh, yeah. Electro Woman and Dyna Girl. But the biggie. Oh, yes. The big one. Yeah. Donkey Kong himself is played by the one, the only, Soupy Sales. Yeah. He, from previous entry, the episode of Boy Meets World, where Sean works for the Philly Mafia. I didn't know Donkey Kong had a great takeout business. Donkey Kong's got a great takeout business. Takeout business. Takeout business. <laughs> okay, and again, we have the cute episode names. Mississippi Madness, Banana Bikers, Gorilla Gor- My Dreams. Gorilla Gangster. Little Orphan Apey. Apey and the Snow Beast. How much is that gorilla in the window? Private Donkey Kong, Sir Donkey Kong, L Donkey Kong, Greenhouse Gorilla, Harry Parent. Oh, wait, wait. You said Greenhouse Gorilla. Interesting thing. That episode is actually based on Donkey Kong 3 and introduced the Super Cade universe to Stanley the Bugman. Ooh. Oh, nice. Donkey Kong 3 doesn't get enough love. I just want to no, get that no, off they, my chest. No, it, it really doesn't. Donkey Kong 3 is awesome. Yeah, I believe I might have that on the Wii Virtual Console, by the way, of my Wii U. So Our third entry into the Supercade is... Cubert! All the respect in the world for Donkey Kong, but Cubert was always my favorite. So the main sort of plotline for Cubert in the video game is jumping on pyramids, changing colors, flying on discs, avoiding the snakes and the monsters, and catching that green ball so you can freeze everything and finish the level. Because uh, I was waiting for those green balls. I, I swear to God I was waiting for those green balls. All within an MC Escher-esque environment. Which features some language. You know, language. Yeah, well, I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. In the Supercade version, the person in charge of writing Cubert stayed up all night the, the the night previously watching American Graffiti. So, he puts Cubert in a 1950s inspired universe in a town called Cuberg. And teenage Cubert has to deal with his brother Cubit, his girlfriend QT, his mom Q-Mom, his friends Q-Ball, Q-Val, and Q-Mungus, and of course, the resident bullies, Coily, Ugg, Rogway, and the new character, Coily's girlfriend, Viper. Wait a minute. Coily? Coily. No springs! <laughs> In some scenes, you're going to see Slick and Sam as sort of your huggy bear type characters. 
You know, not exactly the good guy, not exactly the bad guy, the off-to-the-side guy. Yeah. Because Slick and Sam like to hang out off-to-the-side. Am I right? Huh? Yeah. Mm. Huh? Uh, uh, play some Cuber. Anyway, Cuber features block-hopping, color-changing, swearing bubbles, and the occasional flying disc. What it doesn't feature in the game, and it features prominently in the TV show, is a projectile fired out of his proboscis called a slippy doo. It's like this black ball, oily looking thing. And the funny thing is, I was watching some YouTube videos earlier today, including uh, a number of videos going through the history of different video games, and one of them was Cubert. And originally, they wanted Cubert to shoot something out his nose like a a pistol or something like that, shooting balls or bullets or whatnot. It's just uh, the the technological capabilities of 1983 and 82 sort of prevented that. Yeah. Again, lots of known entities in this, well, not as the others, but a lot of known entities on this particular series. Okay, playing Viper, Julie McWhorter, who you may know as the a prolific voiceover actress, and the wife of one Rick Dees, Tar Heel in the house. And then you have Frank Welker, who plays Slick and Sam, and Q Mungus. And Q Ball. <laughs> and Q Ball. And haven't we mentioned him enough, uh, like, uh, through the course of this podcast? I think this is at least, like, the fourth mention he's gotten. Frank Walker? Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, because we talked about him in... Um, last uh, last week with old Madeline. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, he, he did a voice in old Madeline. We talked about him in the Duck Factory. Yep. And I think we talked about him somewhere else, but this is at least the third mention of Frank Welker. And won't be the last for sure, let me tell you. Nope. Oh, of course not. And then there's Dick Beals, who plays Cubit. Dick Beals, of course, the voice of Davy and Davy and Goliath. Wow. And the voice of... Uh, holy cow, He's he's got a lot of credits to his name. But yeah... You probably only know him as the voice of Davy and Davy and Goliath. But then there are those that you don't really know. For example, uh, the character of Cubert, the, the main character is played by Billy Bowles, who I think this was his only cartoon role. I'm not quite sure because I don't see him on IMDb or Wikipedia or anything. No, no, he, uh, well, according to IMDb, he did a voice on Pink Panther and Sons in uh, 1984 and 85. Ah, well, I'm looking at the wrong Billy Bulls. My bad. Yeah, but but, but that's uh, apparently the only uh, other cartoon voice he did. Huh. Yeah, uh, taking a look at it. Uh, yeah, it, it's Saturday Supercade, Pink Panther and Sons, and uh, there, there's some other credits. There's a after school special on ABC back in the, 1975. The Bill yeah, Cosby it, Show. Yeah, his uh, career isn't very incredibly diverse. No. Okay, his girlfriend QT was played by Robbie Lee, and if I'm not mistaken, she was actually in. She plays Twink on Rainbow Bright in the future. What else is she known for? The Get Along Gang. Oh, yeah, Zipper Cat. Everybody loves Get Along Gang. How could you not love the Get Along Gang? Here comes the zany episode names. Disc Derby Fiasco. The Great QT Contest. Cue Ball Rigmarole. Thanksgiving for the Memories. Take Me Out to the Q Game. Noser P.I., Q Historic Days, The Wacky Q-Bot, Q-Beat-It, Q-Earth-Sup, Rebel Without a Q-Oz, Looking for Miss Q-Right, and The Goofy Ghost-Getters. Oh, you skipped the, they had a game show episode called... Game, game Show... Oh, I didn't even see that one. Game Show Whoa. <laughs> because game shows in the 50s were fixed. 
what the Q heck is going on with all those Q titles? I don't QO. I think we were a Q move on to the next Q episode. <laughs> okay, Q the next series. <laughs> oh, that was I beautiful. I got a million of them. No, no, I don't. Uh, okay, the ne- next up is Donkey Kong. Wait, we already did Junior. Oh, Donkey Kong. <laughs> oh, Donkey Kong Jr. Okay. Yeah. talked about Big Papa running off from the circus. Mario and Pauline are, catch- are trying to catch him. Meanwhile, Junior's just come off the boat. No, literally. He's just come off the boat. He, he like swings from the jungle to the boat to the dock, where he sees an open cage and the ripped out Donkey Kong circus poster from the Donkey Kong opening continuity folks so he, all he wants is to see his papa so he gets the help of a greaser named bones which doesn't appear to be in the game because if you remember the game all junior did was swing he tried, yeah he swung and he tried to, to save his dad from mario yep this time he tries to save his he's, he's looking for his dad with the help of a greaser named Bones. Again, the people behind this series, I think they spent the last night or two watching American Graffiti. Yeah, they they were pop- they rented American Graffiti, and they popped it into the Betamax player, and they were like, we got some ideas from this. We're getting ideas. This is good. <laughs> so Junior and Bones hop on their motorcycle and travel the country looking for DK. All the while, getting into adventures that read off of, and I kid you not, rejected spec scripts from Scooby and Scrappy-Doo. Oh my god. And it makes sense when you, this is going to make sense when you know who does the voice of Junior. Okay. Frank Walker. Okay. The same same person who does the voice of Scrappy-Doo. Does the voice of Junior. And he even has an equally as annoying catchphrase, which you've heard in the intro. Monkey muscle! <laughs> yeah, that gets old. But Chico, mm-hmm. who did the voice of Donkey Kong Jr.'s friend Bones? I'm glad you asked that question. That would be one Bart Braverman. Who we already talked about in previous entry, Look Well. Not to mention the original previous entry, The Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. Oh, that's right. So this is the third mention of Bart Braverman. Yep. Everything goes back to Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. You see, I was going to say, we remember him from Vegas. Nope, we said everything but Vegas. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's like... But he was great on Vegas. Yeah, he was. I loved him in Vegas. I love Vegas, but I I don't love Vegas as much as I love Wings. I was going to say, is is Vegas your drama version of Wings? Well, it's not even my Robert Urich equivalent of Wings. That goes to Spencer for hire. Wow. I, I remember Spencer for Hi- Anyway. Uh, hey, okay. Al, did we mention the spinoff A Man Called Hawk is a future entry with Avery Brooks? No, but you probably should. Okay, so and these episodes are just crazy as well. Truck Napper, Caper, Sheep Russell Hustle, Rocky Mountain Monkey Business, Magnificent Seven... Yeah, you, you knew it was a matter of time before somebody said... Monkey business. The Magnificent Seven-Year-Olds. The Ventriloquist Caper. The Great Seal Steal. The Jungle Boy Ploy. 
Junior Meets Kid Dynamo, The Amazing Roller Skate Race, A Christmas Story. Not Gorilla... that, not that not... Christmas story. No, wait, wait, that... you mean Donkey Kong Jr. didn't shoot his eye out? No, that's cruel. And we'd say that he probably deserved it, but that's cruel. Gorilla Ghost, Teddy Bear Scare, and Double or Nothing. Not the AEW pay-per-view. Not the AEW pay-per-view. Okay, there was one more for the first season, and that was Pitfall Harry. Yeah. Pitfall Harry, his niece Rhonda, and their cowardly pet Quick Claw the Mountain Lion explore jungles for hidden treasures, having many different adventures along the way. Uh, Pitfall Harry, voiced by the incomparable Robert Ridgely, known for... Don't make me say it, Chico. I'm gonna make you say it all day, man. Well, he's come up, I think, twice. I can't recall the, the most recent episode, but he was on when things were rotten. And it all goes back to Night Court because he played Chuck Fleck, the game show host on What Am I on Night Court. I'm human sweat. You are human sweat. You're darn right. Yep. And he's also the mayor in Beverly Hills Cop 2. And he's been in no less than three Mel Brooks joints. Blazing Saddles, High Anxiety, Life Stinks, and Robin Hood, Men in Tights. That's four, but also don't forget uh, when things were rotten was Mel Brooks too, so there's a fifth. Oh, yeah. But then again, his main claim to fame was as talk show host with Woody Woodbury. No, his most popular claim to fame is he was a semi-regular on You Don't Say back in 1975. Now I'm kidding. You're probably right. It was whatever Woody Woodpecker show you just talked about. And uh, so that's Pitfall Harry. His niece, Rhonda, was voiced by Noelle North, who is known for voicing Roanne in The Legend of Prince Valiant. I, I love that show, The Legend of Prince Valiant. And... Quick Claw was played by Kenneth Mars. And if you don't know who Kenneth Mars is, might I suggest you go, I don't know, rent The Little Mermaid or something, because frickin' Triton the Sea King. Come on. He was also on two seasons of Malcolm in the Middle as Otto Mancuser, Francis's well-meaning but dim-witted boss and a German immigrant, so... Yes, he's he's the, he was the very gruff that guy from that thing. So those are your five original segments from season one. Pitfall, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., Cubert, and Frogger. So in the fall of '83, it was slotted against the Bonchichi's Little Rascals Richie Rich show and Shirt Tales on NBC. And- Okay, Machi Chi's Little Rascals, Richie Rich was on ABC, and Shirt Tales and the Smurfs were on NBC. They aired the Smurfs for 90 minutes on and, NBC. Yeah, they, they, they loved them some Smurfs. They were very Smurfy for the Smurfs. They got a Smurf on for the Smurfs. This was sort of crazy, but it worked. Frogger, Donkey Kong, and Donkey Kong Jr. aired weekly. But they cycled between Pitfall and Cubert on off weeks. So if you wanted to see all of the episodes, you had to watch all the episodes. You had to watch every week. Mm-hmm. And it worked because, again, it got renewed. Especially opposite Monchi Cheese, Little Rascal, Richie Rich. I'll tell you what, Little Rascal's Richie Rich outside Scooby-Doo? No, no, that ain't happening. No, no, uh-uh, no, forget about it. And shirt tails? No, no, no shirt tails. Forget about it. Yeah, I love the little rascals, but no, I'm not going to stick around for the cartoon. 
And I was like, hey, hey, little, hey, the little rascals on. Hey, the little rascals, bump that. My man Donkey Kong's trying to get away again. So CBS got another season of shows, but it was sort of a truncated season. They only had like six new episodes instead of 13. But they were able to, you know, cobble together a total of 13 new episodes to round out the season. So they took their two most popular strips from that from the first season, Donkey Kong and Qbert. And they paired them with two more strips. The bank is endless here. I mean, you've seen you've seen these old school arcades. You know it. You, you've seen like every episode of Starcade. You've seen all of the games that come through that come through the pipe. You know which ones you can make games out of. They chose Space Ace and Kangaroo. Space Ace? Space Ace. I know I've heard of it, but it's like of all the games in the universe, and I know you have to get rights and all this other stuff. I mean, they could have gone instead of Space Ace. How about Zaxxon? How about a really decent game? Or Dragon's, La- or Dragon's Lair, because that was also a Don Bluth joint. But but but, but, but that was its own cartoon. Remember? The, oh, okay. Oh, oh, yes. Dragon's Lair was its own cartoon, so that that was out of play. But um, okay, so I can see why Space Ace would have been chosen for that reason, because it's uh, sort of in the same kind of family as as Dragon's Lair. But you could have done Zaxxon. Another big game in 1983-4 would have been Galaga. You could have done Galaxian. If you want to do an outer space type of theme, it's just Space Ace seems sort of odd, even though you do make a valid point when talking about Dragon's Lair since, again, that was in the same pretty much family as, as Space Ace. Well, so let's talk about Space Ace. Space Ace, defender of the galaxy. Together with his partner Kimberly, they battle the forces of the evil force who seeks to conquer Earth with his dreaded Infanto Ray. is the always smiling, self-competent champion of Space Command. Whereas when always whipping out to Dexter, after being hit by the Invento Ray, he becomes clumsy and weak. With Officer Kimberly by his side, he works for Space Marshal Vaughn to keep the peace in the universe. They fight the evil alien commander Borf and keep him from invading Earth. Ace and Kim try to keep his wimping situation secret and protect that Dexter is Kim's little brother, Savon. Now, again, creative licensing. Dexter had certain chances to revert to Ace, but in the cartoon, Ace and Dexter seem to switch off at the worst possible moment. So Ace was played by Jim Piper, Who's Jim Piper? I don't know this Jim Piper. I, sh- I should know. He's not related to Billy Piper, I'll tell you that much. No, he's not. He, he Or Rowdy a- Roddy. Or no. Rowdy. no. No, that's in future entry Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Oh, wrong cartoon. I'm sorry. Just yeah. wait. Just wait until we get into All-Star Saturday Rock and Wrestling Spectacular. Oh, yeah. Coming this fall. But yeah, he, he spent his career being that guy from that thing, but he, let's just say his biggest credit is as additional crew in Dr. Giggles. True story. And his his alter ego, Dexter, is played by Sparky Marcus, who is known as Shelby on Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. Jimmy Joe Jeter from Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, the child, uh, the child evangelist who died of electrocution in the bathtub. Oh, yeah. 
And he's known primarily in uh, cartoons as the voice of Richie Rich. But yeah, Jimmy Joe Jeter and Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, though. His partner, Kimberly, is played by Nancy Cartwright. And if you don't know who Nancy Cartwright is... Have you been in a coma for the last 30-something years? Right? Don't have a cow, Greg. Hint, hint, hint. Space Marshal Vaughn is played by Peter Renaday. He's basically a Disney, a contract player for Disney. He's been in, oh god, these these movies. The one and only genuine original family band. The Love Bug. The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes. The Barefoot Executive. The Million Dollar Duck. Oh, my favorite, The Million Dollar Duck with Dean Jones. Yep. It's a movie. Mike, do you want to hear the plot of this movie? I know what The Million Dollar Duck is about, but tell the audience. It's a movie about a duck that lays golden eggs. That that goes, that wanders into a room with radiation. And because of that, the duck lays golden eggs. Is the greatest movie ever. It is indeed the greatest movie ever. And he also played occasion and a paramedic in future entry, Ultraman: The Adventure Begins. But yeah, he was a he was basically a uh, contract player for Disney. And the evil Borf was played by Arthur Burghardt, who, let's be honest, if you don't know who this guy is, Devastator on the Transformers, Destro in GI Joe. And Pete in whatever you needed Pete for in a Disney movie. You know, Peg Like Pete, Pistol Pete, Peg yeah. Like Pete, you know, Pete. Yeah, we know what you're talking about. Yeah. Go- goofy. <laughs> yeah. You see, y'all see Goof Troop. Anyway. So that was Space Ace. The second one, the second new entry is... Kangaroo. Kangaroo! I don't even know what kangaroo is. Okay, well, I'll tell you right now, before we play the theme song, it's a Donkey Kong clone. Oh, okay. Okay. Wait a minute, they had Donkey Kong, and they had the Donkey Kong clone in the same cartoon! Yeah! So Nintendo was completely cool with this! This was before everybody found out that you could make money by licensing your This was like, this was two years before the seal, okay? Oh yeah, because this was when Atari, they didn't care. Anybody could make a game on the Atari 2600. Okay. So the We're plot crying of- out loud! Purina made, a, made an Atari 2600 game! They did. They did. They, they made, did. They did. Look okay. it up. Uh, yeah, they, I did. I, I saw it. Anyway, Kangaroo. Here's the theme music. Joey, Joey, Kangaroo. Kangaroo, Kangaroo, in the zoo. Monkey, make it mayhem, boo-boo, bad, but best friends, bingo, bango, bungo, friends. This monkey business coming at you. So rock em, sock em, knock em, Kangaroo, cute forever. So Kangaroo, happy Joey and Katie. So, Joey Kangaroo, his mother K.O. Katie Kangaroo, and Sydney Squirrel must stop the monkey biz gang of Bingo, Bango, Bongo, and Fred, four meddlesome monkeys who are known for making trouble at the local zoo by the zookeeper, Mr. Friendly. Wait, Bingo, Bango, Bongo, and Fred? Bingo, Bango, Bongo, and Fred. Is this a takeoff of Inky, Pinky, Blinky, and Clyde, or Sue? That just, I don't know. That just seems like a little bit of Pac-Man theft there, just saying. A little bit of, well, they, hey, they stole, hey, the original Kangaroo game stole from Donkey Kong. Let's go all in. Let's rip off all the uh, video game cartoons. Yep. (laughs) And while we're at it, we'll rip off Shirt Tales with the Zookeeper, Mr. Friendly. Or is that a ripoff of Zookeeper? When did Zookeeper come out? Zookeeper was 82, 83-ish. Okay, okay, we're ripping off Zookeeper now. 
I love Zookeeper. I loved that game. Oh, Zookeeper is my wings of, of early 80s video games. Mm-hmm. No, okay. really, seriously. If you've never played Zookeeper, what are you waiting for? Zookeeper is a great game. It is. Still, try to, I'm trying to find it, you know, on the uh, virtual consoles. It's just not happening, though. Anyway. Uh, there, there, there's not a lot of, um, of home versions out there. Really, the only uh, way to get the home version, uh, and this is for both Chico and you, the at-home listener, is uh, if you have a PS2, it was released on Title Legends and also uh, Xbox, I think 360 or original version of Xbox. Title uh, Legends. Title, yeah, Title Legends One definitely has it because I had it for the PC and also the uh, yeah the the, the PS2. Problem is, uh, it's like 15 years later. It won't run on a current PC, so no. stick to the PS2 if you can. Or the I got a P- I have a PS3 and I'm looking for a reason to uh, hook it back up. I think I may have just given you one. All right then, uh, let's talk about the cast. Uh, we have we've talked about uh, Marvin Kaplan. And Pat and Frank Walker and Arthur Burkhardt. We did not talk about Pat Fraley, who is another pure legend, another legend of voice artistry. And we and the main character, well, one of the main characters, David Mendenhall, he plays Joey Kangaroo, but he's known for, oh God, he was a 12-year-old drug dealer in The Reporter, a very special episode of Different Strokes. The one with Nancy Reagan in it. Oh, jeez. Yes. But uh, ultimately, he got out of the business. He got his law degree, and he's been working legal for... He's been working uh, legal for NBC Universal, and he works in the price department at at Game Show Network and NBC and Fox. So yeah, very accomplished man, him, this David Mendenhall. Playing his mother, K.O. Katie, was Maya Martineau, who is known for, well, actually, her only two, her only other credits include Centurion, It's Punky Brewster, and Ease Book 1 and 2. By the way, Ease Book 1 and, Books 1 and 2, really great game. I suggest you, uh, Check it out if you're into that. If you're into uh, JRPGs. Oh, David Mendenhall played Sylvester Sloan's son in Over the Top. I did not know that. Over the Top, Dad. Oh, you know who else was in Over the Top? Who else was in Over the Top? Robert Loja. Oh, wrong. Robert Loja. Drink your orange juice, kid. Yeah, Billy. Your mom. Your mom says you need to. Drink some oranges for your breakfast. Yeah. Oh, and you know who else was in also in Over the Top? Who's that? Terry Funk. Yep. We'll be talking about Terry Funk later in March. Twice. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So Space Ace and Kangaroo, they're, let's be honest, they're no Frogger. They're no Donkey Kong Jr. And there's no Pitfall. No. By the end of the year, Saturday Supercade would be gone. Like, totally, totally gone. Not only that, but Pac-Man, the uh, series that sort of gave rise to Saturday Supercade, that would be gone too. Well, we did have that video game crash of 83. That certainly didn't help things. Yeah, it's like everything that canon did have anything to do with video games. Yeah, no. It just it's it's just not making money for the network. It's not making money for the arcades. It's not making money in the home deal. Yeah, the the story of ET is just emblematic of the era. But a counter theory. Your theory is good, Mike. Your theory is totally solid. But let's look at the schedule. Nineteen eighty four during the fall. It's up against Turbo Teen and Dragon Slayer. Both one season wonders. But Jenning, it's three apples high blue ass. It's a super set Saturday Supercades action. The last 60 minutes of the Smurfs. Yeah, that'll do it. Yep. That's that spring they replaced Saturday Supercade with uh Dungeons and Dragons and the first half hour of the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner show. 
And if I'm not mistaken, they'd both be gone before uh, the next fall. Yep, they would both be gone before the next fall, or at least moved. Yep, Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner, they're gone. Dungeons and Dragons moved to the 1130 slot. In the 930 to 1030 slot is the last half hour of Muppet Babies. And the first half hour of future entry, Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Oh, yes. It's a real shame that this show is a case of keep circulating the tapes, kids. Because, you know, if you do a deep dive into everything going on with the show. So now Warner Archive, who owns the entire Ruby Spears catalog, puts a post out on Facebook. I think this was like 2011. It says they're working on getting Saturday Super Cane released to DVD. With a whole bunch of extras. Just a slight problem with that. There are these things called rights issues. And, well, we can talk about Frogger, which is owned by Konami. That's no problem there. And you can talk about Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. Aside from the uh, deal that they have with Universal. You know, to A... Uh, license their name for their uh, Universal Studios properties, and B, that case involving Donkey Kong's name being a ripoff of King Kong, which totally wasn't. And you can talk to David Crane about getting Pitfall, but this is where you have to do a little bit... Oh, oh, by the way, you can also talk to uh, Sun Corporation of Japan about Kangaroo, but the two big things in the room. By virtue of acquisitions, Space Ace is now owned by Disney. Because Space Ace was created by Don Bluth's studio. Don Bluth's studio was bought out by Fox. Disney Purchased buys Fox. Fox. Yes. yes. And by Fox, we mean the company formerly known as 21st Century Fox. Not the Fox Corporation that still owns Fox, the broadcast network. Yes. The, the animation studio under the uh, 20, 20th Century Fox banner. And Qbert, by virtue of it being owned by Gottlieb and Millstar, is owned by Sony. Yes, through Columbia Pictures. Through Columbia Pictures. So, uh, yeah, you can you'll you'll probably your best bet is getting bits and pieces of the of the collections all over the place. But as far as distributing the whole series as a whole. It, it hasn't happened in the last 10 years since that Facebook post, and it probably never will. There has been some release out there. In fact, it's time for eBay prizes, right, y'all? Oh. Okay, what is this? Okay, this was an entry from Walmart, believe it or not. And it is... 17 episodes of the original animated series of Qbert. So wait, wait, hold on. This is eBay Price is Right, but this comes from Walmart. It's a second-hand listing. From eBay. Wait, wait, wait. It's from eBay, but it's on the Walmart eBay store. Yeah. I didn't know Walmart had an eBay store. Well, they had something, but I found it. I was looking for something. I found it. Okay. All right. So 17 episodes of Qbert, obviously released in to, to coincide with Pixels, because it says before Pixels, there were Qbert's animated adventures. So, uh, Greg, what would you pay for 17 original episodes of Qbert? Okay. So it's a DVD. Of it's a DVD obscure, of an obscure TV cartoon. Of an obscure TV cartoon. It depends on the price. If this was Warner Archive, I'd probably go. Well, I'm not going to tip my hand here. I'll just say eleven dollars and forty-eight cents. Okay, Mike. That's a good bid. Uh, I was actually thinking it'd be a lot higher, but then you said 
it was released around the time of 2015 when Pixels was released. Yeah. So it's obviously a lot newer than I originally thought. 1148. That's a great bid. I'm gonna say. I'm, gu- I'm guessing this was released by a Sony because they totally tied Pixels in. Yeah, because Pixels was a Sony movie. Yeah. Because of course it was. Yeah. Ooh, that's. Oh, Greg, you had a great bid there. I'm gonna say. I'll say 13.99. The actual buy it out price. Twenty-two twelve. Wow, I was way off. Oh well, man, you said, it, you said it yourself. A rare print of a rare Saturday morning cartoon series. You can't find this anywhere. Yeah, but I was yeah, thinking because because it, it, it was a cartoon of an obscure show. I thought it'd be like cheap since it's only like thir- like thirteen fifteen episodes. But you have to remember, see- it's also a license. So okay, yeah, and I was actually thinking similarly. Because it was only released six years ago. Okay, there's maybe some out there. If you said this is like a 2005 release, phew, I, I've seen how much some of these odd releases from 15 years ago go for. And I wouldn't have been surprised if you would have said like $100. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's no, no, just no. But believe it or not, this cartoon actually has a legacy. If you ever played Pitfall 2 Lost Caverns or its NES port Super Pitfall, they do make mention of Pitfall Harry's niece, Rhonda, and their mountain lion, Quickclaw. Well, wasn't the uh, the task in Pitfall 2 to save the niece, or is that his girlfriend or something like that? I think that was the actual task. And remember, uh, Super Pitfall is just an upscaled version of Pitfall 2. Yeah, you're right about that. Now, upon collecting Ronda, Quick Claw, and the Diamond Ring, your game ends. Which is kind of weak. But what are you going to do? Yeah, but it's a very immersive game, especially for the Atari 2600. I remember when I was a kid, we got Super Pitfall, and we had to move from California to Arizona. And when we got to Arizona, we realized that the movers had lost our copy of Super Pitfall, and we were pissed! Yeah. So, anything to add? No. Well... Have you forgiven those movers 35 years later? Hell no. (laughs) Well, it's super pitfall. You're not missing anything. Okay, so Saturday's Supercade. There were things in the arcade. There were things all over the place. And thanks to CBS and Ruby Spears, it was a thing on TV. Wow. Well, I'm going to plug it. All this, all this talk about old school video games is making me all weepy and nostalgic. So while I grab my Switch, you go hit up it was a thing on TV.com, listen to all of our previous episodes, follow all of us, all of our uh, accounts on all social media, and don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Remember, five stars only. I yeah. don't watch Spaces for less than four stars. And watch, no one's going to give a review like always. I know people have given us a lot of feedback on uh, on Place to Be Nation Pop, though. Yes, which you can listen to all the jobs that come up each and every Wednesday from the previous week. And, of course, coming up this week on Place to Be Nation Pop, we're going to have on. we're going to have Trivia Trap, and, of course, we're going to have the mini-sode of Don Johnson's Heartbeat music video. Heartbeat! Live! <laughs> oh, and, and by the way, we didn't even mention it because it was it completely came out of the blue after we taped last week. But we also recorded a live show on Nickelodeon's coverage of the 2021 NFL wildcard between the Bears and the Saints. And guys, it was everything we hoped it would be. It really was. That was magnificent. It was magnificent. And of course, the best part, as we found out after we recorded, 
PFT commenter trolled the vote to give Mitchell Trubisky the MVP award. Oh, so it was that guy. It was PFT. It was PFT commenter. Yes. Of course, that guy. And, of course, we're still a little upset that Jimmy Graham decided to run off at the last second at the end of the game instead of getting his slime. Yeah, he should. Yeah, do come back and take your slime and like a man. Come back, take your virtual slime and like a man. But you know what? Sean Payton, he got slimed. He was a total sport about it after the game. Yeah, he did it for the kids. Jimmy Graham, he didn't do what he did for the kids. Yeah, that's why he's no longer on the Saints. Yeah, lots of luck, team, to get him. Like, Rest in peace, but no. Anywho, that's going to do it for uh, for the Saturday Supercade edition of It Was a Thing. Next time on Thursday, wow, this, we, we, we talked about things that were on TV and that suddenly disappeared from TV, but we never talked about a disappearing TV station before. Oh, yeah, a TV station that literally disappeared by an act of God, no less. That's going to be an interesting little subject, and we'll talk about it on the next installment of It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks for listening. We'll see you around. Wow! Sorry, Donkey Kong. You're just not a draw anymore. Hey, he's still got it.